Well, good morning and welcome to our service from the Burnham Benefice for this Sunday, the fourth Sunday after Trinity, the 27th of June. Our service will begin with a short piece of music. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord be with you. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven and to bring us to eternal life. Let us therefore confess our sins in penitence and in faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and in peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life. To the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, who forgives all who truly repent, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm, strengthen you in all goodness, and keep you in life eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The glory to God in the highest, and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, Heavenly King, Almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, Receive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit. In the glory of God the Father. Amen. And the collect for today, the fourth Sunday after Trinity. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy, increase and multiply upon us your mercy that with you as our ruler and guide we may so pass through things temporal that we lose not our hold on things eternal. Grant this, Heavenly Father, for our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, who is alive and reigns with you, 
in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading is taken from the uh, Wisdom of Solomon, beginning in the first chapter. God did not make death, and he does not delight in the death of the living. For he created all things so that they might exist. The generative forces of the world are wholesome, and there is no destructive poison in them. And the dominion of Hades is not on earth, for righteous is immortal. For God created us for incorruption, and made us in the image of his own eternity. But through the devil's envy, death entered the world, and those who belong to his company experience it. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is from Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, uh, taken from chapter 8. As you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something, now finish doing it, so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Our Gospel is taken from Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning at the 21st verse. 
When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the lake. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue, named Jairus, came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet, and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for twelve years. She had endured much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling, fell down before him and told him the whole truth. He said to her, The daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any more? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha come, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. This is the Gospel of Christ. May I speak in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He strictly ordered them that no one should know about this. Well, steady on. What's happening here? This story of the healing of Jairus's daughter appears in all the three Gospels, I mean Matthew, Mark and Luke, and in every case is nested in with the healing of the woman with the hemorrhages. Notice that this miracle, the healing of the woman, depends on Jesus being surrounded by crowds. A large crowd followed him and pressed in on him, and his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say, who touched me? The woman, whose condition would have meant that society shunned her, was emboldened by the hope that she could sneak in unnoticed 
amongst the strangers and touch the hem of Jesus' robe and quickly withdraw. She wanted to be secretly healed. Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet in front of the crowd, happy to show publicly and repeatedly and acknowledge Jesus' power and his faith that Jesus could cure his daughter, even as she lay at the point of death. These stories then might be conjoined to show the breadth of people who are believing in Jesus, from the public figure from the synagogue, the ruler, by the way, would be akin to one of our church wardens, to the outcast and marginalised woman, and show then that Jesus is there to minister and heal to everyone who believes in him, at whatever their status. Arriving then at Jairus' house, there is another crowd, a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly and laughing at him when he says the child is not dead but sleeping. He takes only Peter, James and John, and the girl's parents to the room where he restores her to life. Quite strangely comes his command to be silent. Jesus did not let the woman slip away silently, but he stopped to discover who she was, so forcefully that she was obliged to come forward, to fall down amongst the crowd and confess all. And by this, everyone knew what had happened to her. The question is whether the order to secrecy given to the few in the girls' room are Jesus's or are they a device employed by Mark in the way he wants to tell the story. It is tempting to quickly assume the second idea. After all, Mark begins his gospel by saying the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, but then throughout makes the characters misunderstand what is happening and often has Jesus apparently deliberately concealing his identity from the men and women around him. The most noted moment comes during the conversation at Caesarea Philippi, when Peter declares that he knows Jesus to be the Messiah, and Jesus commands him to be silent about it. But several other times, Jesus places secrecy upon the healed, the leper, the cripple, the demons, the deaf, and the blind man. But the occasion that we have been considering seems especially odd. How could you keep the recovery of Jairus' daughter quiet, the daughter of a public person? When the whole initial crowd was told, she was dead. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, your daughter is dead. To my mind, anyway, there are echoes of the wedding at Cana. Even though Jesus says... At that time, woman, my time has not come, he still turns the water into wine. He comes to Jairus' daughter, and overcome with compassion and love and witnessing Jairus' faith, he raises her. Almost too soon. We have not come to Lazarus yet. Jesus is not ready to reveal this power. And I think... This is exciting. Jesus is God. Surely all this is planned, so how could this happen? And I suggest it's because Jesus interacts with us, man and God. Jesus is moved by us, 
So I submit the words are his. Keep this thing secret. Do not tell anyone about it. Well, not yet. Amen. We affirm our faith together in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world and let us thank God for his goodness to us. Father of all, we pray for your church in the world. Let it have the courage to speak your truth to all, especially truth to power, where it is in error or corrupt. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord, we pray for your world, for our stewardship of it. Teach us to use it carefully, sustainably and gently. Help us begin to appreciate more fully its intricacies and our relations with both flora and fauna. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As summer comes, Lord, to our country, let us take rest and recreation, which is so desperately needed by so many. Let us take it enjoyably, fully, but also by keeping ourselves safe. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Loving God, help us to find the right balance between conservation and planning, especially in the place where we live. Let us be understanding and towards one another. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Lord above, we ask your presence with those we know who are ill, who need your tender and healing touch. Direct those who look after the sick, that they may have your discernment. And in our benefits, we pray particularly for Jill Smith, John Crombie, and John Lumley. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. 
Father of all, we give you thanks for those who we have lived with, who we have loved, who we have walked with, but who we see no more. We pray for those who have recently lost a loved one, among whom we include the families of Pauline Twiddy, Sue Kleindert and Nora Goodley. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father of all mercies, teach us to be merciful as you are. Father of all forgiveness, help us to forgive others as you have forgiven us. And we ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And we conclude our prayers by saying the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Just before the blessing, we come to our notices. Uh, there's a special notice for next Sunday, July the 4th. Um, all the Sunday morning services will be in Thorpe, uh, but they take a slightly different shape than usual. And the reason for this is that we are celebrating Mary Heather's uh, great effort on behalf of the Norfolk Church's Trust, uh, where last year she raised a prodigious sum of money, and uh, so much so that it was the largest amount of money raised by anybody in the county uh, and to celebrate that Lord and Lady Dannett are coming to the service along with other members of the trust and Mary will be presented with a certificate uh, signed by the Prince of Wales in recognition of her special efforts uh, towards supporting the Norfolk churches. By the way half of that money uh, comes to Burnham Thorpe so we are particularly thankful to Mary for this and so there will be this service at 11 o'clock in the morning, a service of matins with lots of music, and uh, we will uh, be giving thanks for Mary and thanking her for her great efforts. So that we may also celebrate communion on that Sunday, there will be the usual eight o'clock service, uh, Burnham Thorpe at eight o'clock communion using common worship, and there will be a service at ten o'clock, which will be a very short service of communion only. 
You are, of course, welcome uh, to all three services and especially welcome uh, to the 11 o'clock matins uh, so that uh, you may participate in our thanks and congratulations. And so we come to our blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Thank you.